Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today is part three of our Seven Deadly Sin series, and we are talking about envy. This one is going to be probably pretty challenging for many of us because envy is a really stingy master. It is like it's something that steals our joy and has absolutely nothing pleasurable or good about it. So if you in any capacity have struggled with jealousy or with envy, I pray that this encourages your heart today and helps you to navigate it. Um, Before we jump in, if you haven't already heard part one, which is about anger and part two, which is about laziness and lack of motivation, don't forget to go back and check those out. We have tons of podcast episodes about anything and everything. So if you're new here, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. And I can guarantee that there is a topic that resonates with you. Everything that I talk about is faith-based, biblical, um, intended to be encouraging, but also vulnerable and honest. So I am really excited about this one because let me tell you, I have battled with envy and I will share a bit of my story. If you haven't already checked out The Wife Project from Roommates to Soulmates and The Sex and Intimacy Project, feel free to do so. These are intended to strengthen not only your faith, but also your marriage and to help you really just come to a place where you understand what God says about healthy relationships. And I am a marriage coach, so this is what I do, but I love talking about anything and everything. And the reason that I bring that up is because I find that in marriages, envy can truly be one of the things that damages a relationship because you're comparing your marriage to that marriage over there that you see the highlight reel of or to your friend's marriages. And it really steals from the joy and the goodness that God has given to your marriage. So if you haven't checked those out, the link is in my show notes. And as of right now, we're going to just jump in. So as I mentioned, Envy is demanding. It is demanding of our time, of our energy. And unlike many other sins that have like a bait and hook, it's not the same (laughs) because these sins like lust, that offers us excitement or escape. Greed promises us money or wealth and pleasure. Gossip promises power and the freedom that comes with venting and participation in like the in crowd. So many of these sins that we struggle with are temporarily pleasurable and that's often why we do them. But with envy, it's all hook and no bait because there's no good side to feeling envious. There's no like small amount of guilty pleasure that comes. And that's why no person actively plans to be jealous. We don't 
like as you go to be lazy, you're like, okay, I'm going to actively plan to have a lazy day tomorrow. Envy often comes as a shock. It surprises you, it triggers you, and it feels a little bit painful rather than having any sort of joy that comes with it. And so I want to share a little bit of my own story. I've talked about this in pieces, but we moved to Franklin, Tennessee a year and a half ago. And if you don't know anything about Franklin, it is an extremely wealthy county. It is actually the fifth wealthiest county in the United States. And it is also the wealthiest county in Tennessee. So coming here, we moved from a very poor state. It's a little bit rough. But with that said, it's still home. Um, But with that said, coming from that, to Franklin was a culture shock for us. It's not that we haven't traveled. Like we used to go to Scottsdale every summer and we've seen wealth. We've been a part of it. But to move to a place where there is a lot of old money, and this doesn't just mean like a little bit of money here and there with a few people. It's like everyone seems to have old money or new money and a lot of it. Obviously, this is a huge place for celebrities. We have like, I've talked about this on my Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay, but I met Luke Bryan at a pizza shop that I went to, a pizza restaurant. Carrie Underwood goes to our church every weekend. So like it's very, um, it's become definitely more familiar to us. And so all of these people obviously have money and then there's music producers and it's just everywhere. Like real millions <laughs> are everywhere. And so we moved here genuinely kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, we're on the bottom of the totem pole. And with that said, like we moved for quality of life. My husband stopped working so that he could stay home with the kids. We knew we were going to one income. That was what we wanted. It was okay. But still, knowing we had made that decision, knowing that we were leaving his successful career back in Albuquerque for a better quality of life with our family, we still felt that like yucky, I don't know how else to describe it, that yucky, awful feeling of comparison seeping into our hearts. And I would be completely lying if I said it didn't get to us because it definitely got to us. And one of the things that we struggled with with moving here was we're so blessed with our neighborhood, the people we've met. It's been incredible. But the amount of money that we spent on our home is it for what we got is very different than what we would have had in Albuquerque had we spent the same amount of money um, because houses are so expensive here. We always joke, but if you guys looked on Zillow on Franklin, you would understand like a shack. I'm not kidding you. A shack is 300,000 from like 1950. That is 1,000 square feet. So it is nearly impossible I mean, and I'm not even kidding, nearly impossible to find a decent home for under 650 to 700,000. And when I say decent, I mean like track home. And so it kind of felt that like this weird, well, we know we're doing okay, we, which we're very thankful. Like we couldn't have asked for more with this, but it's like, oh, but had we stayed here or had we moved to Texas or had we like, we could have had so much more. And though we knew God wasn't calling us to have so much more and that that was an empty thing that we were striving for, we still felt like we had to keep up with the Joneses a little bit. And it was empty. And it's kind of crazy because as we've seen people move here and like people that we've met, 
we see them struggling very similarly. And it's we try to see the good outlier of it, which for us is that it calls us up. It calls us up to challenge ourselves, to work harder, to be motivated. Um, but equally, families here are extremely involved. It is like one of the most family-oriented places I've ever lived. And so we see them – I've talked about this as well in the podcast, but like you see a dad come home in his suit and tie and he walks in the door, gets changed, comes outside immediately and is playing soccer with his kids or riding bikes with his kids or moms are all outside, like moms are all over our street. And it's just been really cool to see that. And so you see this balance of family life and motivation and it really does call us up in a million ways. Like the amount that we've grown since we've moved here has been crazy, but we have had to really, really fight to see that balance and to also accept that where we are is okay and that where we are is exactly where God has us and that it's okay that we don't have old money (laughs) and that it's okay that we don't have a mansion on five acres of farmland like everybody else seems to and that it's okay. But as I say that out loud, like there is still this little longing in my heart that's like, oh, but it would be so nice to have that land for the boys to run and play and to have swing sets. And, you know, it's it's almost like this justification in my own mind as to why I want something. And let me be clear, there is nothing wrong with having good things. There is nothing wrong with wealth. We see wealth throughout scripture and that God blessed people with wealth, but it is the heart and it's the motive and it's the generosity and those things that matter. And truly what you do with your money, how faithful you are to steward your money wisely for God's glory. And so the things that we were longing for when we first moved here, honestly, probably like the first eight months we battled with this and those thoughts, those longings were not godly. They were not honoring. They were selfish. They were self-serving. They were for our pride. They were for everything else but to honor the Lord. And that's what I mean by envy being demanding. It delivers nothing because you just sit there feeling empty and you sit there feeling like you need to find a way to get to a better place when God has given us so much and we weren't being thankful or grateful for what he had given us and it was absorbing us. And you may have experienced this. It may not be with a home or with things. It could be with relationships, as I mentioned at the beginning. It could be with other marriages and longing for that and wishing you had what somebody else had. Or it may be somebody's appearance and how thin they are, how big of boobs or butt they have, or just how built and fit they are. Or it can be a very real struggle like pregnancy and feeling envious of other people for having the ability to get pregnant when you're not able to, or others who are able to find their husband or their wife and you're not able to. Those are very real struggles. And as we look over our shoulders at other people, we see their lives and we see the longings. But one thing I have really realized, and I actually realized this through a counselor that I spoke with, and I was talking to her about this when we first moved here. She's a counselor at the church. We were just kind of having a discussion. I was like, honestly, moving here has been just kind of a shock to the system, and it's really made me struggle with things that I've never struggled with before. And I'm watching some of my friends who are moving like struggle with the same thing, and it's just all kind of bizarre. And she said, Lindsay, let me tell you something. You see the exterior. You see all of these amazing things that they have. But I have been a counselor for 10, 15 years, and I can tell you that these people – 
have so much pain and they have so much that they're longing for. And and not that that's something that we should long for is for somebody to be struggling. It's just a realization for us that we never, ever see the full picture. And we may want a small piece of someone's life, but that doesn't mean that we want their whole life. It doesn't mean that we want everything that comes with what they have. And so if you, in any capacity, have allowed envy, longing for material items or for a body type or for a certain marriage or a certain family dynamic, it can poison the joys and the good things that you have and it wastes your time. It wastes my time. It can make our blessed, beautiful, sweet life feel small and inadequate. And it is genuinely one of the sins that presents one of the most obvious almost confrontations to the goodness and sovereignty of God. Because in our envy, we are questioning God's plans for us. We are questioning His goodness, and we are questioning His will for our lives. Envy is a rebellion against God and His goodness. And so no matter how accomplished somebody is, how respected or successful we can still feel envy. You may have it all, right? And you may look at someone who has it all and think, oh my gosh, they have everything. How could they not feel so content in their life? But if you were to sit and speak with them and hear their heart, you would find that they have deep, deep battles and struggles just like everyone else and that they long for someone else's something that they don't have. While we look at envy today, I want us to see it through this lens of it being something that is truly unspiritual, ungodly, sinful, and almost demonic because it is often accompanied by other sins and it is giving into the lies that the enemy pours into our mind. Proverbs 14.30 says, envy makes the bones rot. I love this analogy. John Piper said this. He said, your bones are the only hard substance in your body. Picture yourself with no skull, no spine, no shoulder or arm bones, no ribs, no hip or leg or foot bones, a sack of moist, immobile discontent. Stand up straight and be content. So he's basically saying if we think of the body and we think of envy rotting away at our bones as Proverbs tells us it does, it is the only thing of substance. So when we lose our substance because we're spending so much time with envy that we lose ourselves. And I mean, let me tell you guys, when I was struggling with this, and I'm not to say I've overcome it, I haven't, but I, I'm learning tools that I'm going to share with you. And when I was really deeply in this though, it was all I could talk about. It was all I could think about, how to level up, how to grow, how to make more money, how to do this, 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 this. And I was boring myself because I like to consider my mind one with a lot of provoking thoughts. I challenge myself. I read a lot. I am constantly digging into the minds of other people. And in some way, I lost that. I lost my longing for wisdom. I lost my desire for growth in my own life because all I was was consumed by this rotting envy in my life. So I bored myself. I bored my husband. I bored my friends. I became insufferable to be around because all I wanted was more. And when you're around somebody like that, not only does it make you struggle on your own to think like, wait, do I want more? Am I not content with what I have? It leads you to a place where 
you no longer care about things of substance, of matter. And so as John Piper says, we must stand up straight and be content. So as I mentioned, these tools that I've been navigating in my own life to try to overcome envy, I want to share with you. And these things are not going to guarantee a quick victory or a quick and imminent response, but it will help us to stay in God's light and to stay fighting forward. So number one is for us to see clearly humility. And I talked about humility in um, the anger episode, and I'm going to talk about it again because humility is the way of Jesus. And as Christians, we are called to live as he lived, and that is to live in the way of Jesus. And a humble Christian is someone who is going to be content in all things, just as Paul said in scripture, that he's going to be content in plenty or in need. He has chosen that. We must choose every day to see clearly the gifts that God has given to us so that when we're so busy looking at our neighbor over the fence and see what they have, we're able to stop ourselves and take our thoughts captive and say, Lord, help me to see clearly all that you have given me to be content in plenty or in need. And this humble attitude is the opposite of envy because it doesn't yearn or long to possess what other people have. It's an expression of selfishness and pride to be envious. And when we see it for what it is, it helps us to battle against it. Not to see it as something that's like a motivator because motivators that are given by God are not something that are going to cause us to envy. Okay, so number two, confess and repent. So As I have shared, these are things that I've really battled, and I have had to be honest and open with people. I've actually had to call some of my friends and apologize to them for allowing my mind to get so consumed and caught up with this envy, and then I've had to confess to God. I sat in prayer and talked to God. I asked for His forgiveness, but speaking it openly, I mean, there really is, I've shared it a million times, but once your sin is in the light, Satan loses his power over it, and when you say it out loud, you do begin to see it for what it is, so talk Talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your spouse about what it is that you're envying right now and what is consuming you. And also be aware, you guys, because we're not super aware anymore or willing to admit how much social media causes envy in our lives or how much, you know, like scrolling or Pinterest, these things cause us to feel inadequate. So Confess what it is, but also confess the triggers that are damaging your life and causing you to become consumed and obsessed with something that God does not have for you. Number three, as I mentioned, prayer. Prayer is life-changing. I have a full episode that I want to record, and I'm really excited about it, about praying through my home. It's something that I've done since I had Sutton seven years ago, and I pray in each room, and I pray for something different in each room. And in my bedroom is now where I pray for contentment and pray for peace in the things that God has given to me. Because the thing is, is that when we thank God, thankfulness truly is the antidote to envy. Because when we see the good God has given to us, we stop feeling like we don't have enough, like we never have enough because we list and name the good in our lives. But I don't only pray for myself and my healing and for God to restore that and replace that envy with gratitude. 
I also pray for the people I'm envying. And that has been so helpful for me, not only for their success and their joy and their love, but I pray for their heart for Jesus, that God would pour his blessings, his joys, his miracles upon their life. And when I become invested in their emotional well being and their physical, spiritual well being, I begin to envy them less because I'm reminded that they are human beings. And then the further successes that I see in them, I see as answers to my prayers. Not that I'm powerful enough, but God is to answer those prayers and to bless them and to draw them into Him and into His heart. And the things that I'm then asking God for are the things that they've accomplished. So how can we resent that? So pray to God for your heart, but also pray for the people that you envy. Next is to pinpoint your idols. For me, I have seen the idolatry that reigns in my heart. And what idolatry is, is essentially worshiping anything other than God and putting that in God's place. So I found, you know, it's not just the envy. It's what am I worshiping? What are you worshiping that has you feeling jealous of this person or this thing? Because when we identify what that is, it helps us to draw out that sin and to realize it usually goes much deeper. And so for me with this situation, my idolatry was success. And it was proving to myself that I could do something, that I could make it, that I could have that $2 million home if I wanted, that I could level up to this level I had set for myself, this expectation that I had set for myself. And essentially, when it's all boiled down, it was pride. My idol was my pride. My idol was feeling like I needed to measure up to these people so that they would see that I'm on the same level. And you guys, when I sit back and look at that, I see how empty it is. Because what is that? Everything that we have, every material item rusts and fades away. It doesn't go with us to heaven. So as I found myself yearning for those things and seeing that I had put that in the place of God, it was very humbling to me and helped me to realize that I had my priorities horribly shifted and that they needed to be shifted back and repentance allowed for that. And in order to shift In order to change, because we can't do it on our own no matter how hard we try, truly, because sin just seeps in again and again, we have to race toward the gospel. And our idols, the things that we worship, the things that we long for, the things that consume, we are able to fight those things by setting our hearts and our minds and our spirits on the gospel and the promises of God because we know our identities in Jesus. It's not in how successful we are. It's not in how beautiful we are. It's not in how our family dynamic looks. It's not in the marriage that we have. None of those things define us as who we are. We are defined by the goodness and the grace of God and his death on the cross and his resurrection because he came for us. And that eternity is what we look for. When we have this heavenly mindset and we think of, Lord, my calling and my purpose is to go out. It's to go out and make disciples. It's to go out and serve. It's to go out and help the orphans. It's to go out and help the homeless. It's to go out and to be the light of the world. It is not to stay here and work on myself and look at myself and better myself all of the time because then we become extremely entitled and self-consumed. It's empty. 
all of these things that we have on this earth, including our bodies and the way that we look, including our homes, our cars, all of it, they will disappear. And so we have to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves over and over and over again. And I come to this place where I realize the things that I speak of often are often the things that are in my heart. And scripture affirms this. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because what we are talking about, what we find ourselves repeating again and again or trying to work toward again and again is what we are consumed by. It is what is most important in our hearts. So if we are talking about Jesus day in and day out, that is what is in our hearts. If we're talking about a healthy family and longing for a godly biblical family, that is what is in our hearts. But when the other things pour out, it helps us to realize what it is. And if you don't realize what you struggle with or what you want to kind of work toward, it can be extremely beneficial to ask the people around you. Ask the people closest to you, hey, I will not get hurt. (laughs) I promise I won't get hurt if you tell me. I am trying to work through something. Can you tell me what you see in my heart that I idolize? What are the things that you see that maybe I envy or am obsessed with that I may not even see on my own? Give them the freedom to speak into your life. Allow that to be the thing that propels you forward in repentance and seeking God's face above the longings of your heart. When we are able to see people as human beings who have issues, who have struggles, who have pain, and when we can root for them and cheer them on and pray for them, that willingness to get outside of ourselves, to confess it to other people, and to be gracious to ourselves and thankful for all that God has given us, it allows us to root out that disease, the the branches that are withering and growing and causing hardship and pain and ungratefulness. When we can confess, when we can speak it out, when we can repent, and when we can refocus our minds and take our thoughts captive as we have to many, many times, then we're able to kill that desire, kill that idol, and reset our minds on the things of God. So I love you guys. I hope that this encourages your heart today. I pray that you feel ready and encouraged and motivated to work through some of the things, to be honest with yourself and self-evaluate and to see the areas where growth is needed in your own life. The purpose of Living Easy Podcast and Living Easy with Lindsay, every platform that I have, the goal of this is to cause you to challenge yourself, to not listen to this and walk away and move on with your life, but to listen to this and put into action the things that you're learning to say, okay, God, I could be fine. Like I can feel fine day in and day out, but you've called me to be holy as you are holy. So how do I pursue that on a regular basis? So I just challenge you to take that step, talk to the people in your life, repent to the people in your life in the ways that you need to, ask them for their wisdom, and allow God to move in your heart and to remove envy and jealousy from your life because it does not belong there. It is not from God. It is sinful. It is a spiritual issue. And God has the power because he has already won. God has the power to take that from you and to replace it with a heart of joy and pleasure in the things that he has given to you. So I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.